All right, and welcome to Hattrick Sports Talk. We are currently recording this at 8 o'clock Pacific on a Saturday this week. I got Shane. I got Brandon. Say hello, guys. Hey, hey. Hello. What is happening? What is up? All right, we are starting off the show weirdly, partially because this was probably the most fun event of Memorial Day weekend. We have some golf that we're talking about. Have we ever talked about golf at all? We talked about Tiger like once. Can we talk oh, about yeah. such a, what how how golf is such a strange name? What golf? do you mean by it's a strange name? Just, just have you ever thought about how how weird it is coming off the tongue? Just golf, 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 golf. <laughs> golf? All it's right. Even weirder is the fact that we call football football in America. You know, oh yeah, that's true. Foot that much. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You only use Anyways. your foot like kick field goals and do kickoffs and stuff and punts. Kickball. Things that don't matter. Anyways. <laughs> All right. So I want to talk about uh, match part two. Uh, Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning win by one stroke over uh, Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson. What were your guys' thoughts on a pretty entertaining, surprisingly entertaining, I should say, match? I think Brady needs to wear looser pants for starters. Um <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> but um yeah, I mean despite the um you know, despite the unfavorable weather conditions and you know whatever kind of stuff was going on in terms of Brady not necessarily uh playing as well as he um maybe could have been. <laughs> no, he was horrible. He was yeah. terrible other than like one um, shot. But you know, seeing him and you know do his dumb quips and then have Peyton just flame him it's it's always fun um <laughs> and then yeah you know it, it was just good to see um you know something like that especially with everything happening right now and whatever it was uh just kind of a cool thing and now there may be a part three we yes, will see there may be a part three Brandon <laughs> what were your thoughts on the match I mean, it was golf. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not much of a golf guy. I watched some of it. It seemed fairly uncomfortable golfing in the rain. Yeah. You know, like, that's my question. Like, who who wants to golf in the rain? You know that they, like, never do that, right? Like, if it rains yeah. out, they, like, push it back. But, like, who cares? It's a match play. Like, we'll play in the rain. Who cares? Yeah, it's not like it means a whole lot. In the in the long run, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think it was really fun. Like I, I, I mean, they raised twenty million dollars for COVID nineteen relief, which was great. But it was just, it was the most watched golf event in history, the history of golf. Over six million people tuned in, and I, I just, well, yeah, because there's nothing else to do right, right now. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I think this is. That that was by far the most fun I ever had watching golf. And I watch I watch all the majors, right? I watch a good portion of all the majors, and I thought this was better than any major ever in terms of intrigue and fun. And I, I just thought overall, I mean, it was really playful, of course, but I think this is something that should continue. And they honestly should have done this last year when just Tiger and Phil did it because that was boring. That so, was one of the most boring golf. I, I don't know if I would compare this to – majors you know in terms of like fun factor though i would i would say that this is much better i mean when is there fun in the majors like right like 
That's Watching true. the majors, I always have the thought of like, wow, these guys are are like really t- making it not seem like fun to play golf. That's your feeling. Whenever I watch the majors, anybody who anybody who's golfing, I'm always like, wow, you seem like you're not having a good time at all. It's way too serious. It's not a very good advertisement for like people who want to get into golf. However, watching this, I think I told you this, Robert. Watch, watching the, uh, the the match, the match is the only time in my life I've ever actually had the thought of, huh, that actually seems like it'd be kind of fun. Right. I, yeah. I've, I've always wanted to play golf, though. I've I've been wanting to do it for at least five years now. And it's mostly because I've watched the majors, but I think this definitely made me feel like, oh, this can be really fun to get a bunch of friends together and just go, go on the ranges and go golfing. I know I would be absolutely terrible at it, but right. I mean, you have. I mean, you have to start at the driving range, as I said, yeah. kind of move your way up. But yeah, definitely. I think well, that was the, one of the biggest takeaways. I mean, that's the thing about about it is like when you do go to a golf course just with your friends or with your family or whatever. Yeah, you just mess around and have fun. It's not all serious. And oh, yeah. okay, let's let's be quiet. And, okay, there yeah. goes the shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like that. You 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 know you have your drinks and the the adults grab a dozen cans of beer and hang out and yeah. whatever. You know, go on the golf carts. I thought the golf carts yeah. were really fun too. By the way, really great yeah. designs for those carts. Yeah, their as golf well. carts were like souped out, like freaking really just zipped around the course is unlike other ones which are yeah and like the camera work too props to turner because obviously it's unique with all the social distancing measures but the 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 cams and the carts the it just felt like a really good broadcast on considering the circumstances and i think that's something that other leagues are going to look to and say oh this is the way we can broadcast our sport in a really unique way that doesn't feel unnatural yeah all right so let's move on to the mlb this was a really uh pretty crazy week for mlb with these proposals um players uh, so a bunch of news so players want 100 plus games prorated salaries uh the players had a call later in the week saying they were pretty gavel yeah, they're pretty like together, I should say. And then they were like, di- they were disappointed by the proposal. They thought it was disrespectful to cut the salaries as much as they did. Um, and then Matt Scherzer said something that he said, I'm, I'm tired of negotiating with them. And now the MLB is kind of weighing the timing and substance of a potential response to the proposal. Um, what is your thoughts now after what was probably one of the more eventful weeks for this proposal? I mean, it's kind of the same as it's been. It's just, I don't feel like we're getting anywhere and Mm -hmm. it's both sides of, I think both sides of the issue of, of the docket are, are not having any interest in going anywhere. So, yeah, I think that's one of the more, disappointing parts is that they're just it's like and this is all happening out in the media right they're not sitting in a room as i've as i've said that they should have for weeks on weeks now they're just not sitting in a room and figuring it out they're just using the media to leverage one way or another way 
And it's just alienating fans, the media, the players, the owners. Everyone's just feeling alienated. And when this comes back, do you really feel like fans are going to be happy with baseball or their players? Because I heard Rich Eisen talk about this. What's the one thing that in sports we hate talking about? Money. Money. And guess what we're talking about with baseball? Money. This is not growing the game. This is not helping the game from a marketing standpoint. If you play right, if they play, the marketing is through the roof because there's nothing else on, right? So it's, a, it's just it's an absolute mess. And This isn't – yeah, this isn't them wanting to play. It's them being greedy, you know? On both sides, yeah. I would say. Exactly. Yeah, well, no, on both sides I don't, for sure. And then, uh, I mean, here's what we need to realize, right? If the coronavirus had not happened – there would be no problem here, right? No, there would absolutely not be a problem because we would already be midway through the season. Right. The players are getting the deal they made with the owners. Like, the reason I'm not on the player's side here is they keep trying to make deals that are absolutely nonsense. You know? Well, I think both are. asking... Well, no, but here's the thing. I actually legitimately think that the owners, when they put out their first deal, that was a, a reasonable offer for the situation they are in. Yeah, the 50-50 revenue right. split was, was really reasonable. And the freaking players come back saying, no, we want all our money, which is unreasonable. Yeah. I mean, this I get time, wanting... This whole time... That, right, exactly. I, uh, sorry to interrupt you, Shane, but... No, you're good. Um, like... I would want all my money, but at the same time, you it, it's it's a you have to think long term here, right? We will play baseball again at some point. Like we as fans will get baseball again at some point. But you know who still has to deal with the owners down the line? The players. CBA negotiations are and coming up pretty soon. Owners are going to have zero reason to want to give them an olive branch. Yeah. The, the Honestly, CBA is coming up. The owner could be like, you know what? You tried to, you did not work with us one inch. Guess what? We're perfectly fine not having a season and not paying you. We'll go ahead. We'll keep our money we would have paid you and just go sit in our nice fancy houses and, and not give you an inch. And, and not only that, some owners, I believe Jeff Passan talked about this, some owners are fine without a 2020 season either. Yeah. They're just like whatever. Like it if we can figure it out, we're teams done. Teams money, not to have a 2020 season. They are they will lose money playing games without fans in the stands, and they will save money without even having a season. So yeah, lose money well, by yeah. um by having games without fans and having to pay players right. as much yeah. as they want. Yeah. I mean, at this rate, I, honestly, I'd. I, I would be surprised if we had a season. Yeah, I think I think it's over. I think we're just going to keep talking about proposal after proposal after proposal. And then yeah. as we're going to get to, the NHL and the NBA is going to start in July. And then people are going to be like, well, what are you doing, MLB? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's it's ridiculous. But let's get to the other two leagues who are actually making progress. The NHL plans to return with 24 teams, 24-team format. They're also considering... Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Edmonton, Vegas, Los Angeles, Minneapolis, 
Pittsburgh, Toronto, and Vancouver as hub cities. They're planning to pick two out of those bunch or out of that bunch. Thoughts on the MLS or excuse me, the NHL's progress to potentially get to a season under this format. Um, I think it's, uh, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that they're trying to get a season obviously or finish the season. Um, but I don't know, this 24 team thing is odd to me. Um, because I mean, it's like, I mean, I, I get that this is an abnormal year, obviously, but to do this, it just seems kind of sh- like a, just a very random move to me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of, in terms of what city it'll be, who knows? I would bet Las Vegas would be one. Um, I'm been thinking some... Vegas and LA at this moment. I don't yeah. think I, yeah. I don't think they'd want to. I don't think they'd want to put a top four team in a host city because right that would come across as you know yeah. Because I'm just thinking of I'm just thinking of places with. I don't less think can- people I don't, and less yeah. infections. I don't think you know? Canada. I don't think Canada will get one because they've have the whole like closed border thing. Yeah. Right. Um, I think maybe Dallas because they're in Texas. Um, you know, Pittsburgh. I could see that. I could see Florida. Florida could be one. Yeah, Florida definitely. They have very low. See, you bring up a good point, Brandon. What about the um? What about those closures up in Canada for like U.S. and Canada? Though those closures, like, how is that going to work? Getting teams like Toronto. Right, like the Maple Leafs or Vancouver well, I, into I think, these cities. I think I mean, if they bring in the revenue, I think they they'll I don't, be like, yeah, it's yeah. All right. you know, I don't think it'll be we'll a problem. Make an exception. <laughs> I guess I don't think it'll be a problem because, well, one, the teams have private planes. Yeah, they don't fly yeah. commercial, so they can just use their private planes. Um, and like, let's be honest here: any team coming from Canada is probably not really going to last that long in the tournament. Um, yeah, that's also that's also they, a fact. They're they're all kind of bad this year, or not yeah. bad. Like Toronto wasn't bad. They're just probably like their path is not very favorable. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting because I think what what we're gonna see is we're gonna see the lesser one of the lesser teams ending up as the as a host. Like I don't like I could see a double I could see a double Florida situation. Or I could see like Carolina. I could see it's not going to be Columbus. It's not going to be Pittsburgh. It's not going to be Boston or Philly or Washington. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I maybe I Dallas mean, and Florida. Mm. Yeah, Dallas. Yeah, Dallas and Florida would be interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I really think they're going to try to do a big city thing, but I'm not sure at this moment. I mean, what's the point in doing a big city thing when there's, there's no fans. fans, right? So it's, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. I don't know. And it's also interesting, like Vancouver, Vancouver is a hub city. As you said, Toronto is a potential hub city. Like if, Vancouver, like if they can't play, the Canucks won't be able to play in Vancouver because they're saying yeah. it's going to have some home field advantage thing. So they're still going to have to travel somewhere. So I don't know. Um, 
any last thoughts about this whole system? Brandon, what is your thoughts on like the system themselves actually? Like the round, like the 20, the, the 24 team thing, the qualifying things are, are you happy with it? Well, I mean, I've already told, I've, I think I've already talked about this on air that I don't, I don't think it's, I think like it, it kind of bothers me that, and I know it's a weird situation, but like, it bothers me that we have teams like Montreal and like crappy teams that did not play very well. Literally, it's every team this year except for like what four? Yeah, four or five. Something like, like that. How is that the playoffs? You know, like how is it a playoff if you have you basically have said, you know what? It doesn't matter this year. It just it doesn't matter that you sucked. Like. Yeah, they get to be in the playoffs. Like, I mean, a lot can change in thirty games. I think that's kind of what they're yeah, but, saying. Like, but twenty four is too big for that. I think a lot of these teams at the bottom, they their trajectory was sucking. Like they were their bad. trajectory was like, the lottery, basically. Right. Like they didn't do. They hadn't done well from a lot of the year, and they were not at that at the point. Unlike teams like. Toronto or Boston or Pittsburgh or Vancouver, sort of. Yeah, or then would you have preferred like twenty or twenty-two instead of twenty-four? Way less than twenty. Like I feel like sixteen. I mean, sixteens like would be better for me because it's only a couple a couple added teams up from the usual. Like twenty-four is like adding a whole another twelve teams, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely see it. I just think it's good that we're going to have playoff hockey. And I think I think one of the things that what's going to happen is that these teams that were really bad for most of the year are going to lose really early in the tournament anyway. So it's not – I don't think it's going to have a major effect. What I do find interesting is that they're planning to do 24 teams, five-game rounds. For the qualifiers, For the yeah. qualifiers, so and then I think they're doing the same thing for the top four as well. They're basically capacity. sticking with the whole, sticking with the same way they've done it before, except instead of it being rounds of seven, it's rounds of five. five. I think that we'll get to seven at some point, but yeah, at the beginning, it's going to be five. I think the Stanley Cup will be seven. Yeah, the Stanley Cup will certainly be seven. But do we know when the Stanley Cup would even happen? It would be so. Let's say they start mid to late July. It would end around September fifteenth oh, to September twentieth. So literally, we would have the NFL opening weekend. Weekend. The plus, NBA is planning the same and, thing. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> opening. So like what? No, second the week of that, be three hours second long. week. Second week of NFL action. NBA championship. NHL Stanley Cup. The Stanley Cup final yeah all happening at the same time goodness again we're not sure about how the nfl or college football is gonna go but assuming that that does happen that seems like the nfl has has basically without saying it they've sent out the the vibes that like hell or high water they are playing a season of of football this year right but it's what how it whether it's how it starts or whatever which we're still not too sure about uh let's go into the nba uh there were a lot of different types of formats. So the group stage format was interesting. Obviously it seems consensus. They're going to have a play in tournament, but they are planning to meet on Thursday to like officially announce we're going to be in Orlando. We're going to have some type of probably play in format and they're going to start 
as it stands right now, it seems like they're going to start July 31st in Orlando. Thoughts, guys? Wait, July 31st? Yes, July 31st. Holy crap. So, that like – They won't be done until, like, October. How, how many teams are going to be in that? Um, I'm not, I'm not sure. I believe it's going to be 18, 18 to 20. Are you kidding me? That's stupid. You're, are you upset that they're starting that late in July? It's so dumb to, to start July 31st with a, with a, a, a team with a, with a set of, of 18 to 20 teams playing what five to seven games Mm -hmm. like series that will not put you done until yeah like what until so so september october and then and then probably starting the next season in december december December, it's gonna be december 25th so what are they gonna basically just finish the season go right into training camp pretty much or close to yeah where's the draft where's the like the draft, the draft lottery would be done, I think, sometime in August or early September, and then the draft will be str- it, like a it week will after. Make for some interesting conversation, because basically, it'll be like the NFL where there is no off season. Yeah, uh, and there. So there, uh, according to uh, Shams of the Athletic, they're saying there's some talk that they would like to have the season end by October 1st. That's undoable. I don't think that's doable. You can't end it by October 1st if you're yeah. playing in July. 18 to 20. I don't know. There's a if lot you of do options. 18, and it's that's what that's 18 divided by two is nine. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So then nine, and then you divide that by two, and you get down. Well, no, like you can't do eighteen because that's an odd. You get an odd number, so you'd have to do twenty. Yeah. So uh, so twenty to twenty-two actually. Twenty to twenty-two. So if you do go. twenty, that takes you down to t- to ten, and then to five. Am I doing this math right? Well, here's my thing. No, I'm not doing this math. Right. I don't. No, you're not, but that's okay. <laughs> here's my thing. <laughs> We're not math geniuses here, and we don't intend to be on no, the show. Here's, here's that's my... The, that's the quote of the decade from Robert. Well, I mean, here's the thing. You were doing that divided by two correctly, but the tournaments work a little differently yeah. like that because it has to be by yeah. four or whatever. Yeah. I, anyways. It's whatever. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, what was I going to say? What were we talking about? <laughs> Talk about the okay. NBA's proposal, man. Yeah, the well, 2022 thing. So okay, here's my thing. You got it. And this is this doesn't just pertain to this season. This is just a thought that I have on the NBA and the NHL as a whole. Why why do we need a seven game series? Um, I mean, it's I it's a balancing thing. It's about it's, they will yeah. never change it. They will it's, never change it's that. Because I know, unlike I know it would the NFL, change, but like, don't wouldn't five work? No, like best well, of five. I mean, the it does. It did. That was the NBA. Like at the start of the playoffs, it was a best of five, and they changed it to a best of seven because of more revenue. Yeah, but it it's just they're not going to change it. And by the way, here's the thing: Adam Silver has stated that he wants seven game series. They're not going to have five-game series, regardless of how long it takes. Oh, good. So 
they want a seven-game series so for each of these. Basically, Silver's saying he's fine with going all the way to, like, right up to the start of the next season. Pretty much. So, okay, so, yeah, so Shams, as you said, he's they've discussed four com- competition scenarios. 16 teams, they go directly to playoffs. 20 teams, group slash stage play. 22 teams. Games to determine uh, seeding, play, and tournament for final seeds. 30 teams, 72-game regular season with play and tourney. Yeah. I don't think they're so going to do 30 they would, There's no point of 30 teams because what's they, the point of having the Warriors and the Knicks? Yeah, LMAO. This? If they did <laughs> LMAO, if they had to play 30 more games before the, the play in tournament, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> And also, I think the group play, the more I've thought about the group play, the more I like it. Because it's like, then it doesn't degrade the season. Because the, it makes depend- you think of sucker. Yeah, no. but it's not oh. just that. I think that I think it would actually be really competitive, and I think people yeah. would really enjoy it. They just need to get around us to, decide, to starting the NBA again so I can watch NBA on TNT. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And just hear... Heck yeah. I just wanted to start. I don't really care what form it's in. I know, you know? right? Just give me my basketball. Because like this was a I mean, this was a great season. I just want to see it through, you know? Yeah. Same, same, it same. It was a great season only because everyone had to bow down and respect the power that is the Raptors. <laughs> oh god. That was last year. No, it's also this year, fool. Everybody thought the Raptors were going to be bad it's, this year. It's the Battle of LA. No one thought the Raptors would be bad. Dude, everybody was like, thir- everyone, everyone was like, oh, Kawhi's gone. I had them yeah, as like a three terrible. or four, I think. I had them as a three or four to start the year. We yes, have so opened I. our massive Raptor jaws and gone, Sides <laughs> 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 with Brandon. <laughs> don't don't take math from him, but take science. <laughs> yeah, I might not be mathematics smart, but I'm Raptor smart. <laughs> All right, let's move on from the weird ending that was our NBA conversation <laughs> to the NFL. Uh, the NFL has tabled both the fourth and fifteen onside kick and the sky judge, but they've also voted to kill the Pelichek penalty rule thing. But let's talk about the onside kick and the sky judge. Are you surprised that they tabled both of them at this week's owner meetings? Well, I mean, I'm not surprised that they would table something that would make it easier to see when the when the refs are being bad at their job. Um, but and the onside kick, just I mean, I don't know. It kind of made sense. But it needed a little bit more work, I feel like. I just think the 4th and 15 role, like, it was so weird because a week ago we were talking about how most owners actually supported it. I don't understand what changed in a week to say, oh, this isn't going to work. I think there had to be some concern about teams like the Chiefs who have a high-powered offense, for example. And I think that might have caused some owners some worry. Shane, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I was – I mean, I, I was, I, I was like that. Uh, you know, the fourth and fifteen rule. I was kind of excited to see that. I was hoping it would become a thing, uh, but I wasn't really. You know, I wasn't really surprised when it wasn't. 
<laughs> voted out because um, the NFL always seems to um, table new and innovative, exciting rules. But, you know, that's all right. I mean, I think they're tabling it for a year also because of the situation we're in. They're trying not to make so many significant changes with all the I mean, other yeah, struggles potentially. Because I do feel like this is going to get approved about. at some point. I, I don't see why it wouldn't, even as like a preseason test run, which I'm surprised they didn't do for this role anyway. Well, I mean, the reason they didn't do that, I'm sure, is probably because they're not even sure if they're going to have a preseason. Well, they already said they're going to use the Sky Judge in the preseason, so I don't mm. know why they wouldn't yeah, use this. I don't know. I think, uh, yeah, either they just don't feel like this is the right time, or I don't know. I just think for how many teams, I think the, the Broncos proposed it last year. This year, the Eagles proposed it. I yeah. don't see a way where they can't, where either they approve this or they approve this for the preseason next year. I just don't see a way why I don't. I don't see this time next year a team not proposing this again. I just I don't mean, see somebody it. will. Yeah, but it's uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's just a matter of you know when and if they actually decide to implement it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which I, um, I mean, I would, I would, I would like to see it, but, um, considering this has been kind of an ongoing thing, I mean, you know, who knows when that would be. (laughs) All right. Before we get to some Browns topics, uh, Brandon, I'll start with you. According to bankruptcy filings, the XFL could have a new owner and return next year in the spring. What's your thoughts on where the XFL stands right now? And do you think it's a league that can at least have some, some intrigue for fans and for media members over the next few years, if they find a new owner? So I was a little surprised that, um, that the XFL went down, not because of COVID, but because of, uh, supposedly funding um because at the beginning of this whole thing i believed that it would have funding for at least two years um but honestly if they can get someone if they can get someone to fund it i'm down i thought it was actually pretty fun to watch um it was pretty good football I mean, it's not NFL, but, like, nothing's going to compete with the NFL. Mm-hmm. See, I think yeah. the biggest thing with these leagues is, like, guys like P.J. Walker, right, who probably wouldn't have gone a shot in the NFL, even with his young age. And then you see him play in the XFL and how overly impressive he was compared to every other quarterback in that league. For those guys to get those opportunities – that you wouldn't that they wouldn't get if this league didn't exist is why I think it's important to have. Well, I mean, if you remember back in the back in the day, there was um, NFL Europe, right? Which, I mean, it produced a lot of big name players. Right, right. So. I mean, I would be. I think it would only be good for the. You'd think. I'm kind of surprised the NFL hasn't reached out to the to the XFL and be like, hey, like, let's find a way to to 
set it up as like like some sort of minor league system minor league system for the NFL like mm-hmm. but like it can be its own league but like it funnels it's working in affiliation with the NFL and teams have teams in the XFL that they can maybe after every season they can look at at mm-hmm. players that they want to say to like pick and yeah. bring up for a tryout in spring training. I I think um or training camps but or training I, camp yeah. I think I think I think the team affiliation stuff wouldn't really work. I think the NFL the NFL did support the XFL in some degree but it, I implore the new owner whoever it will be to have a much bigger partnership with them and say, "Hey, you can let these like have them play for one season and then let the floodgates out." Like that, like we had this year, and let these players be free agents in the NFL, and see who can pick them up. Have an open market, and that's what it was this year. And I think that's that's why I think the XFL should exist. Is that I think it's important for a player standpoint because I think the NFLPA would be all over this to have another league for these players who probably wouldn't get a shot. Get a shot, Shane. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I I am all in favor of keeping it and having it around it's um i mean like you said you know it's it's good to have this uh like minor league of sorts you know where because i mean they stuff like that exists for every other sport i mean there are multiple leagues for baseball and basketball and hockey soccer whatever but in football there's i mean there's there's the CFL, but I mean, let's be honest. Does anyone really care about that? No. Well, there's, it's also a lot of restrictions in terms of American players and who can come to the NFL. There's like a bunch of restrictions right. with that. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, I, I think, um, I mean, you know, I agree with Brennan and I, I would think that they would have had enough money for the next, uh, you know, a couple of years. But then again, you know, they only played like half their season and they didn't make a ton of money since they are brand new. And, you know, just considering all this COVID stuff, it, you know, it's understandable why something like this would happen to them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a, there is, you know, from an owner's perspective, there is serious potential to make some money with this league. So I can't imagine it's gone. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Or if even if it comes back in, you know, some other form or something, I don't know. But it's, I, I, I definitely don't believe that this is the end of um, this type of football. Yeah, for sure. Plus, it's more football, and as Americans, we for some reason love it way too much, and <laughs> so we will eat up as much of it as we can. So there yeah. you go. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So Adam Schefter reports that the Browns offered the most money to date for G- Jadavion Clowney. Richest offer on the table. He hasn't taken it. Apparently, he's not really interested in the Browns, but he's also received multiple offers from the Titans and the Seahawks. He hasn't agreed to any of these offers. Where do you think Clowney and his management are standing right now? And how do you feel about him not taking this Browns deal? We obviously don't know how much money it was, but how are you feeling about it? Well, I don't know what I'm feeling about it because he himself says differing things all the time. Like uh, originally he was saying that he just wants a ring, 
but now he's like, no, I want all this money and yet, yeah, it's like, okay, well, you can't have both. I mean, you could, but it, it, that'd be hard. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, if you go to, if he goes to Cleveland, yeah, he's going to get more money supposedly, but I mean, they're not going to win a title. Let's just be honest. They're way too dysfunctional. They don't know <laughs> what their direction is yet. And uh, quite frankly, I think that they're just too loud. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, Tennessee, yeah, they might have something going there. I mean, I, I want to see like a full year with Tannehill and all this stuff. Another uh, year. Yeah. yeah. And then there was rumors with the Giants for a little bit, and I knew that wasn't going to happen. But That fills, um, fizzled out very quickly. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, based off of all that, I would say that Seattle would be his most likely option, especially because he said during free agency, he said that he would love to come back. Um, yet he is continuing to not accept contract offers from them. So who knows? I don't know what it is that they're thinking exactly. It can be, I mean, the longer he waits – you know, the less money he's probably going to get. So I don't, I, I, if anything, he's just sabotaging himself. Yeah. At this point, I think like, more than likely he signs a one year deal. Well, that's what With I was who? saying for, I think for Seattle, I think he gets, I think he reaches out, makes signs like a one year deal. Like, uh, can you be healthy for a whole season? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he has a lot of like, injuries. I wouldn't be, I would not be upset though if we signed him to a mm-hmm. not a huge one year deal because the man, I've said it, even when he had his hernia, just being on the field, his presence is a threat. Oh, like, there's no question. Like, he makes the team better. And also, I, I would like the signing because he is, you have to admit, even he's still one of the best defensive ends in the game. And if you can teach the younger players the, the, his skills. Like LJ then, Collier, for right, example. You make the team better down the line. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it will probably – at this point, it's probably one year 10. I don't think it would be one year 15, but one yeah, year no. 10 makes a lot yeah. of sense. Um. Also, and time about the. Not, and if he's not going to go to the Browns, he's not going to go to the Jets. Yeah, the Jets are off the table as well. Uh, speaking of the Browns, Baker Mayfield moving in silence. He's reportedly turned down a lot of interviews. Do you think his focus is starting to change, or how do you feel about Baker? Like, what does he have to change to be successful in in twenty twenty? I think he thinks that if he can look serious, then he'll be seen as serious. So, I mean, more than anything, he needs to start acting like a grown-up. Yeah. I know it's pretty hard, but, you know. Yeah. It's a tough life. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, because if you look at, uh, what was it, the, when Miles Garrett and... uh, Rudolph. Yeah, Rudolph got in their little scuffle. I gained a lot of respect for Baker that night because everybody was talking crap and whatever on both on both sides and I was expecting him to 
do that as well when he stepped up on the podium. But he was like, but then he came out and he said, "Now what happened tonight? I don't care how it started or why it started. It's unacceptable. Shouldn't have happened, and it won't happen." Yeah. And I was like, "Wow, okay, that's yeah, that that's actually yeah, wow." You know I think I, mean? I remember and, the night after, like the day after that happened, we. Uh, or the week after it happened when we talked about it on It was the day after. The we show. talked about it on the yeah. show the That's day right. after. That's right, yeah. I, it was yeah, the... and I remember saying, like, I was, and we might have talked about it that night on Facebook or something, but I remember yeah. saying, like, specifically saying, like, I was impressed. Like, if he can yeah. be like that throughout the whole season, I think finally the Browns could have someone to to follow. Yeah. Um. It would certainly right go in now, a different direction. That's because sure. right now it's just a lot of, it's a lot of talented guys. It is. They got a, they have their roster's pretty stacked, but their heads are just in the clouds. Yeah. And as long and especially in a sport like football, that does not work. I mean, it's, it's simple as that, you know. Yeah. It's <laughs> That's a bunch why of egos just following right. each other. Because you gotta, you know, you gotta play as a team. You can't be flashy and play for yourself, which is what a lot of those guys are doing, unfortunately. But, you know, they'll figure it out. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Definitely if Baker starts kind of getting on the right foot, getting more mature, this team has a much different trajectory. And it's definitely a playoff team if that's the case. Especially as – I mean, if it was – if it was literally anybody else, like a receiver or something, I wouldn't care as much. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter as much. No. no. Yeah, but then, I mean, he's supposed to be the leader, the responsible guy, the one that the team and the fans look up to. And, you know, this is the example he's setting for that. Eh. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so. All right, let's get Anyways. to our division previews. Obviously, the highlight uh, yeah. hour shows for the next, what, few weeks now or the past few weeks and the next few weeks. We're doing the NFC East. We starting with the we are starting, excuse me, with the Philadelphia Eagles nine and seven. Finished first in the division. Obviously, lost to the Seahawks seventeen to nine. Let's first start with their schedule. They open up with Washington, then the Rams. What are your guys' thoughts on this schedule here? Well, um, you know, I'm. Uh... Just looking at it, I mean, it doesn't look too bad. I mean, they got some tough games, uh, San Francisco, Baltimore. Um, you know, that won't be easy. Seattle, New Orleans. But, you know, they, I mean, there's they play in a pretty weak division, so <laughs> that helps them tremendously. Um, like, I think we can all just – I think we can all just save ourselves some time and just be like, Philadelphia is going to win it all <laughs> in their division. Yeah, I yeah. think the, I think I just feel there's, like this division sucks so much. I, we'll we'll get to why as we move along, uh, but I think I think the Eagles, right? I I think the Eagles are certainly the best team in the division, but a lot of people see the Cowboys as a as a true threat why? to them in this division. But we'll get to the Cowboys in a bit. But I yeah, don't get this it. this schedule is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this schedule is pretty easy. I think you look maybe. Week 12, week 13, week 14, you got Seattle, Green Bay, and New Orleans. That's a little bit tough. And then, of course, Arizona. That stretch at the end is a little bit difficult. But this team has a schedule where they they should be able to find a way to win this division. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just the 
not even this. I mean, aside from the schedule, the talent on their team alone should be able to carry them to winning the division. But um, and we talked about yeah. the issues at receiver last year with yeah. the Eagles, and they really fixed that. It's like it was just injuries. Absolutely. We got them back, you know. And like, so. and like this team would have been formidable going going against Seattle in the playoffs if you know they hadn't had all their players like die. Like, <laughs> well, not yeah. die, the, but get injured. Three, yeah. But you know what I mean, like. Like basically, like get injured in the three weeks leading up to to the playoffs, and, and early then ha- on, and the then have their too. and then have their their best, and then have their starting quarterback get taken out, like in the first what fifteen minutes of the game. Yeah. yeah. Um. Before I don't we know get if we to... ever talked about that play, I think we might have for a bit, but um. Let, let's talk about Jalen Hurts first and this quarterback situation before we get to X-Factor players. Jalen Hurts, do you expect him to be on the field in some capacity next year? I yes. think he'll be there as a wide receiver. <laughs> receiver. I yeah. mean, I guess he could be. I don't um, think he'll be – I don't think he'll play quarterback this year. Well, I think it'll I, – I think it'll be like a uh, – Taste of Hill situation, kind of. No, like a, like an Alabama situation from, uh, from whatever year it was after. Like fifteen or sixteen, something like that. Yeah, when yeah. when he and Tua were, um, were the, the two starters, quarterbacks. You know, like they they both like Tua played more as a passer, like Wentz would. And then Hertz would go in and do lots of, you know, like option plays and yeah. stuff like that, which is the second they drafted him that high, as high as they did, I was like, okay, that has to be what they're thinking, right? Otherwise, they wouldn't have, you know, picked him up that early. Um, so, and they, I mean, they saw that that was effective for Alabama. So maybe they are thinking, hey, let's try it ourselves. I mean, um, it's like, <laughs> you know, Doug, Doug Peterson, I think he's a I think he's a much smarter coach than people give him credit for. No, he absolutely um, is. You know, just with the way that he has been able to uh, develop systems around whatever quarterback he had and won a freaking Super Bowl with it. I mean, come on. That's like – With Nick Foles. And beat beat Bill Belichick and Tom freaking Brady in a yeah. Super Bowl with Nick Foles. That is, um, yeah. That's, <laughs> That's impressive good. in itself. Okay, yeah. so two things for the Jalen Hurts pick. Um, one that's been reported, one that's kind of been theorized. Of course, one is that the theorizing point is that Carson Wentz gets hurt often. And Wentz, or excuse me, that Hurts can definitely step in and – do something as you talked about with Nick Foles. They feel like they can develop Hurts to be a much different quarterback than Foles, but come in right away if need be. Second, and this has been pretty widely reported, so they missed out on Russell Wilson in 2012, and they look at Jalen Hurts as that type of player, and they didn't want to pass up on it, and that's why they took him in the second round. He's more like a Lamar Jackson type to me. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about early Russell Wilson, like 2012, 2013 Russell. Well, yeah, okay, maybe. 
Brandon, thoughts on Jalen Hurts' pick here for Philly? Like, it to me, it's like a long-term thing. It's definitely not like a a start right away pick, you know. I mean, I don't think for me. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think that they are planning on having him like take over anytime soon, you know. I think also part of it too is the fact that I mean Wentz is amazing, obviously, but he's hurt a lot. <laughs> right, yeah. right. You know, I that would worry me. You know, I would I would want to get a guy that establish a good backup guy that I can really rely on um, because I mean I'll just be honest, I don't I, as good as Wentz is, I I just don't I don't trust him because um, he just I mean he gets hurt every year it seems like yeah which is horrible but it's just you know it's the way it is unfortunately so i i mean i would guess that's part of it as well but yeah who knows yeah all right so x factor players for the eagles who is it who wants to start well i mean for me it's uh gotta be the man i was just talking about (laughs) carson wentz you know um because regardless of you know, if if you look at all those injuries that they sustained at the end of last year, the fact that he was able to hold that offense together and go and win all those games at the end of the season with a backup running back as your slot receiver, um, in that's Boston pretty incredible. Scott. In Boston Scott, right? Yeah, that's um. I mean, that's pretty incredible. Um, you know, and they. I mean, they. It's been very clear recently that they have struggled. Uh, greatly when he is not playing and so therefore I think that he uh he is definitely the the most important piece for this team um and you know of course it's they need everyone to not everyone but they need more people to stay healthy next year you know what I mean that'll obviously help um absolutely yeah I think my pick is it's it's not just one person. It's mm-hmm. the entire wide receiver core. Yep. Like Yeah, that's fair. I just feel like if uh, if the wide receiver core can stay healthy, this team should have no reason not to r- just easily win this division. No doubt. Yeah. I I'm so there's a lot of options, right? You mentioned the receiver core. They just picked up Jalen Reger, who's an absolute burner, which will definitely help Carson Wentz. Andre Dillard, uh, the Washington state first round pick from last year, uh, starting at left tackle. Uh, then they also helped out their defense by picking up Darius Slay. Um, they needed help at corner really badly last year. Their secondary was terrible. Uh, but for me, I got to go with a, a player that I really think is going to have a breakout year, running back Miles Sanders. He was excellent in the playoffs, really a huge part of their offense, especially when Wentz went down. I expect a big year out of him. And if Carson Wentz can hand the ball off to Sanders, like, I don't know, 15, 20 times a game, it will help Wentz, you know, not have to throw the ball as much and limit his injury risk as well. So I, I'm going to go with Miles Sanders, second-year player out of Penn State. Yeah, that's 
Yeah, that, that's fair. I mean, you know, they he yeah he definitely um, had had some good moments there last season, but I think you know getting him in this next season just to complete that offense. You know what I mean? Because I mean, you do have to have a good run game as well. And um, yeah, I agree. I'm definitely expecting him to uh, to pop off this year. Um, so that's yeah, that'll be exciting to see. All right, let's go to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the Cowboys. Uh, let's start with Dak Prescott. He wants he wants more money. That's simple. He wants to beat Russell Wilson in terms of money annually. I think he's looking for about forty five million dollars annually. Um, <laughs> so I want to start oh, off right away sorry. by saying this: any team that has a quarterback like Dak Prescott who's looking for money should be scared because any team that has a quarterback that's only thinking about getting high levels of money like that is not thinking about what every team should be thinking about, which is getting those Super Bowl rings. Mm -hmm. If you are asking for $40 million annually, you are basically saying, I don't care about getting a Super Bowl. I don't care about being able to bring in the pl- the pieces around me. I just care about getting that cheddar. Like, well, here's the deal: if you're Patrick Mahomes, you're gonna take about forty some mil, right? But the difference between the Cowboys and the yeah, Chiefs is that Andy Reid knows, right? Right, right. And he deserves that. He deserves that. But not only that, once he takes that money, are we expecting the Chiefs to turn out? the lights on a Super Bowl contention. We're not because we know Andy Reid is an excellent coach and that coaching staff is amazing and they'll figure out a way even with all the money problems they've already have with Sammy Watkins. They had to readjust they had to readjust his deal. Well, They're gonna I, figure I, it out. I would say also like the difference is like between going back to your thing about talking about Russell Wilson, how he's he has thirty five and and golf one Prescott once uh forty Russell only got the 35 because the Seahawks made the choice going into that position. They were like, we want to keep this guy. We have a bunch of old players on defense. We're going to clean house and we're going to switch our mentality from defensive minded to switching over to offensive minded, pay Russell Wilson the money he wants, keep him around, plus be able to open up salary cap to keep him for a longer time. Mm Mm-hmm. The problem the Giants have, and I, I mean the Cowboys have, and I think you were getting into this a little bit, is not only do they have a quarterback who doesn't deserve to be paid $40 million a year mm-hmm. and has not even once proved to me that he does, uh, he also is just someone who doesn't have a good attitude. I, I don't I think he's one of the more mature running back or quarterbacks in the NFL. I think he's actually quite I mature. Just, I feel like there's a difference between being mature and like having your your like locker room. Yeah. I just don't feel like he has his locker room and has never had his locker room. And frankly, no. the problem is and also and, and I think this is a problem amongst the entire Dallas Cowboys with Jerry Jones as their GM. He tra- and I said this during the draft, and I'll say it over and over and over again. 
he drafts for flash, not for for like how it clicks with the team. Yeah, Which but I mean, CD Lamb, CD Lamb is unique though in terms of talent, um, and that was tough well, to pass. Well, CD Lamb would have clicked with anybody, right? I mean, he's that good. Because I mean, that's that, that's the Cowboys' brand. You know, they're just because they're America's team. They 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 want to have attention, bring a sh- make a show, make money. That's 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 who they are. You know what I mean? But I mean, but Jerry wants Jerry wants to win a Super Bowl. Then Jerry's got to figure out. Sooner or later, the big play, the big money players are not always going to get you to the Super Bowl. I mean, hell, look at the Seahawks. Like, we we won our Super Bowl with a bunch of players that everybody went who? Right. Like at first, <laughs> that's the grip. But like, you do you have to admit, like the Seahawks do it well. They managed to. Yes, they had two years where they were okay, but they managed to rebuild their team. Yeah. Completely from a defense focus to an offense focus. And here's and here's the difference though, if we want to compare the Seahawks to the Cowboys and their formality, is that Russell can make the playoffs every year. Dak can't. Yeah. Russell we know that the Seahawks are gonna make the playoffs at a ten and six, eleven and five, regardless of of the team, because Russell's just that good of a player. Russell Dak wills isn't himself that player. to get it done. He, right. he makes the plays. Like I watch a Seahawks game and like if Russell Wilson, God forbid, eventually went to another team, I would instantly watch that him on another team and be like, that team is they're gonna win if it was in the fourth quarter quarter. Because Russell right. Wilson is like honestly, I feel like Russell Wilson's X Factor in Madden should just be like, if you're in the fourth quarter and you have Russell Wilson, you're gonna win. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. matter what. You just so, win instantly. <laughs> so two things with, with Dak. So first I'm gonna say this has been outlined all over, you know, all over the media. Here is his agent's pitch to Jerry Jones for why he deserves 40 plus million. Here it is. I'm going to lay it all out. One, he was drafted as a fourth round pick and he's overachieved that by 10th amount, which he has. Let, let's not, let's not forget. He's overachieved that fourth round pick by a lot. And how, wait, also, wait, 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 wait. let how, me finish. How, how let is, me finish. What is your argument for overachieving the fourth? What has he done? But well, hang on. He doesn't hang have on. a Super Bowl. He doesn't have. Like, he's lost in the divisional many, round. He's lost in the divisional round. He yes, he's been to the <laughs> Pro Bowl a couple times. Forty but like, million. <laughs> but like he's asking for forty million. Like he is not overachieved right. to me. So, so let me finish. So the the agent's claim is forty million dollars. Here's why he deserves it. Fourth round pick overachieved dramatically because when you look statistically at fourth round picks, they don't last in the league, especially at the quarterback position. Okay, and then number two is that they've won the division every year Dak's been the quarterback. And that's their claim. Look at, look that's at the their division. claim. Last year. Look at the division. Right, last year. right, look at the division. Like, that's always been my claim. Yes, yes. It's a trash-ass division. you got the Redskins, Giants, and Eagles. Like. Exactly. It's, why? it's a that terrible not, argument. It's a terrible not. argument. Actually, no. Dak is – no, he hasn't won every – because the um, – Yeah, no. Or most years, Eagles. I should say. Most years. Most years. No, actually, so, he hasn't even won most years. Really? Because that's, that's part of the claim. The Eagles have won the division the last three years, haven't they? Yeah. Let's I, see. No, Dak Prescott. Sure. No, no, no. They okay. Wait, no. The Eagles won this last year and the year before when they went to the Super Bowl. Dallas did win last year. Dak Prescott. Okay, I'm gonna look or, at so his two, three years. Oh wow! As a four only, I didn't even know he's only been in the in the in the in the league for four years. Well, yeah, this is his rookie contract. Yeah. Okay, so I will say this. Like, 
So he's won the division he, twice. As individually, as a second. Here, here's what I'll say. Individually, and this is the problem. This is his problem. Individually, as a quarterback, he has amazing stats every year. Yeah, he oh, does. He's a fantasy juggernaut. But, but I don't want a fantasy juggernaut on my team. I want someone who's going to get me to the damn playoffs. Right. You don't care like, about your fantasy team when you're if a GM. You asked, I guarantee you, if you asked Russell, if, if Pete Carroll and John Schneider went to Russell Wilson and said, hey, Russell, we want you to restructure your contract so you'll still get your money, but it'll be over a larger amount of time but we'll be able to get more players to make it to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He would say, hell yes. yes. <laughs> Any right. day of the week. Right. And I think, I think Mahomes would probably do the same thing. I think a lot of quarterbacks would do the same thing. But, let's, but let me say this as well. Byron Jones left last year. I keep making this claim. Byron Jones is now yeah. a Miami Dolphin. Terrible do you, realize, do you realize that the offensive line that Dak needs to be successful is all going to be gone yeah. in two years? They're not going to have like, as good of a defense. They're going to be in cap heck. They're going to be in They're cap, be in cap danger. forever. I know. They're going to be just like messed up. And the team's not going to be as good. And then Dak is not going to look as good. He's you know not going to look here? like a first round pick. I, you know what, I, what we're all arguing about, what it comes down to at the end of the day with the Giants? Uh, with the uh, Cowboys. Uh, Cowboys. They need to get rid of Jerry Jones as their GM. Uh, We've talked about this for, for a long time. Like, I think. You know, keep. I mean, keep keep the guys the owner because he's rich and he I can mean, do he the money the things. Fine, whatever. But have somebody as general manager who actually knows something about football. Yeah, <laughs> you I know mean, what you, I mean. You, you look at the Seahawks when we had our guy who, when he left and uh, Schneider came in, it was like night and day. Like instantly, it started like turning it around. Like it's a hard position to do well in the NFL. You have to have GMs who can who can. See the pieces. See the players who are who aren't who don't stick out right away. Like I think they said in the draft, it was like the 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 key player, the key draft picks are from third to seventh round because those are the players that are going to see the the field the most. And that's why the Seahawks do so well. And the Giants kind of stink it up. Right. Or, or well, Cowboys. Giants, Cowboys, whatever. Well, I mean, the Cowboys draft well early. They don't draft well late. They draft well like the first yeah, couple rounds. You don't find most successful players in the first round. All right, guys. X Factor players for the Dallas Cowboys. Mm. I honestly have no idea. Maybe Zeke. I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot of options. I think you can go C.D. Lamb. I think you can I'm, go Michael I, I actually know who it is. I'm going with Joe Looney. Because he's replacing maybe the best center we've seen in the league. In That's true. That's a, a really long good pick. time. Like, there, yeah. like, no one could penetrate up. Like, he had – if Russell Wilson had that level of, like, of center, oh, even a center like that, he would be in heaven. He'd just be like, oh, I'm standing here. I'm serving. Just like I'm time. I got time. I got time. I got time. I got time. I think Joe Looney is going to be in – he's going to need to really prove it. Or if Tyre Biadosh starts. Let's not let's – not... Either one of them. Right. But all I know is their, their offensive line is not going to be as good. I think they'll be okay. I don't think they'll be as incredible. They haven't really been as incredible the last couple of years. I mean, they were eight and eight. That's not good by any stretch of the imagination. But I think yeah. teams are just going to target the target. They're going to have people just 
if I was a if I was a defensive coordinator, I'd be like, hmm, we're playing the Cowboys. I'm gonna have my nose guard blitz the crap out of them. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Shane, who is it for you? After thinking it through a little bit, um, I'll differ from you. I'll I'll say Amari Cooper. Huh. Uh, okay. just because statistically they win a lot more when he is playing and playing well. Um, like the difference is actually kind of shocking. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'll you know I'll go with him. I, you know, it's just. Uh, it's hard for me to think of like one guy when there is so much going on that is so dysfunctional. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Just with, in terms of management and uh, ownership, whatever. I mean, yeah. Cause like we said, you know, Dak Prescott, he has great numbers, but he, you know, all that for going eight and eight. It's like, okay, well, what does it matter? You know what I mean? Um, they got to have another guy who is clutch and is a difference maker, which um, is him a lot of times. So uh, he would be my guy. Um, I think this receiver core is one of the best that Dak has ever had. Uh, Michael Gallup had an incredible year. CD Lamb, yeah. just a speedster. Uh, he's going to climb up the depth chart, no doubt. Uh, Chidobe Awuzie has a lot more on his plate. I'll go Trayvon Diggs. I'll go Trayvon right. Diggs, the other Diggs brother. I, I think this cornerback group uh, needs an infusion of youth. They're always better when they have youth, right? And most of the time they do. But I think this year especially, they feel like they're a lot younger with Trayvon Diggs. And I think it could make an immediate impact for them to be successful at that position. This defense needs to step up. Remember, what was it, two years ago when their defense looked phenomenal and their offense wasn't that great? The defense, yeah. if they have an incredible year and is like a top two or three defense, this team could be pretty successful. But I think I think it's on this defense to really show out next year. I mean, I don't – I mean, do you really think that would even be possible, though, that they would have a top two or three defense? I don't think so. But I think this team has talent around itself with guys like Jalen Smith, Leighton Vander Esch, Demarcus Lawrence, as I said, Ouzier. I mean, I'm just looking at defenses like the Patriots and the Niners, Ravens. And even the Steelers, right? Bills. So it's going to be difficult. Yeah. yeah. It's certainly going to be difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Niners. <laughs> Niners, right, right, right. Um, yeah. Anyways. It's certainly going to be difficult with as we talk about with the Eagles and how good they're going to be. Uh, yeah, maybe 8-8 eight and eight is where they're going to be at or 9 or 7 or something like that. But we'll get to the records in a little bit. Um, yeah. New York Giants finished fourth and 12. Uh, we didn't really go through the, the, uh, the Cowboys schedule, but that's okay. Let's go through the Giants schedule now. Um, thoughts on what, what they're going through in 2020? Well, I mean, it also doesn't seem that bad. I mean, aside from all the division games, you know, you got San Francisco and Baltimore, which would be tough, Seattle. Um, Cleveland looks like an interesting game to me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and even well, actually, I mean, even Pittsburgh that should be to interesting. open the season. Yeah, yeah, because um, they're they're two teams that are kind of that I am not super sure about. You know, going into the year. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's not easy. It's not an easy schedule by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I mean, it 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 could be worse. <laughs> in all honesty. Yep. Um, yeah. Um, Brandon, I, I'm gonna offer you a different question. What are your feelings about Daniel Jones as a franchise quarterback now, after watching him for a season? I think Daniel Jones 100% is a franchise quarterback. Yeah. I think people were like, I think he's an example of people kind of putting numbers to a player and being like, oh, this guy. Okay, I think two things. One, I think he's an example of someone who came out of a, of a school that is not known for football and a lot of people don't Duke. watch. Um. Not a lot of people watch Duke on, on college football. Yeah, uh, don't forget they even have a football team. Like I've only, I've only, <laughs> I only saw him play a couple times because it. I turned on the TV like late at night when they were, like, ESPN was showing like their a night, ta- their late night games, uh, yeah. on like a Wednesday or some shit when they were playing Duke. <laughs> um, but like the couple times I saw him play, I was like, okay, he could be in the NFL. But when he was drafted, the uh, high as as high as he was drafted, I was like, mm, "That's interesting. That's a little shocking." Um, but just the first time I saw him him uh, play in the preseason, I immediately against the Jets, I was immediately like, "This guy is legit." Yeah, same like, here. Same here. He's good, and they've. Obvious, the Giants in this draft made a very prominent statement basically saying, showing like, hey, like, we are going to put our money behind this guy. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Shane, yep. what is your pick for X Factor player for the New York football Giants? Ooh, I, this is a tough one. There are lots of people to go to. But you know what? I'm going to give the O line some love. I'm going to say Andrew Thomas. Great pick. And here's why. I think that they have. I think Saquon is a top five running back in the NFL. I think he's great for their running game. Uh, Daniel Jones, I think, will continue to develop and really come into his own. Uh, Evan Ingram probably the most underrated tight end in the NFL, in my opinion. He's injured, though. He's injured. He might not come back next year, That's so the keep thing. that in mind. That's the thing. If, if, he, if he comes back, that'll be you know a big piece for them, obviously. I think their receiving core is good enough. Um, I mean, it's not Very amazing, young, but... other than Golden Tate. Sterling Shepard yeah. and Darius Slayton are very young pieces. Yeah. yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the generic. Oh, are you done? Sorry. No, but anyways. Oh. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I just... You know, the the biggest piece that they obviously needed to improve was offensive line and I was I was surprised that they went with Thomas. Uh I was there were a few people that I probably would have picked before him. But still, I mean it's 
you know, I, I, I'm curious to see what kind of an effect he has because, I mean, they, they drafted him fourth, so they, they really do believe in this guy, obviously. Um, since they, especially since they picked him over a few players that were generally considered to be better. Mm-hmm. And um, so, I mean, like I said, the offensive line is what I think really need needs the most work. And so that is, um, you know, an interesting kind of starting piece for that. Mm-hmm. Now I'm done. Go ahead, Bryn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with the generic answer and say Daniel Jones. That's fair. I just, yep. I think he had a really good season last year. Uh, for what he had around him, and I think um, he could have an even better season this year. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, they they not only started working on the line with Andrew Thomas, who I was one of the few people who had Andrew Thomas as the number one lineman on my board um, going into the draft, actually pretty much throughout the whole process, but they also got Will Hernandez in the second round last year, so their two draft picks were Daniel Jones and Will Hernandez, Warren Andrews was really good last year. Um, he's certainly continuing to be a good development piece for them as well. So, uh, as you mentioned, Shane, they really are starting to work on their line. There's a lot of options here. I love Sterling Shepard and, and Slayton. I still have a huge problem with the Golden Tate contract. Um, it, it's really not that good of a contract. Leonard Williams didn't have a fantastic year. Um, let's go Blake Martinez um, for me. Their linebacking core has been terrible. Um, for a few years now. Um, and I, I just think having a guy like Blake Martinez, he's very underrated at that position. He's a really good player. You got to see some, if you haven't watched a lot of Blake Martinez highlights, I highly recommend it. Cause this guy is a great ball to ball guy, you know, around the field guy. He's just a really good linebacker and having him there to kind of develop, to kind of develop this this linebacking core a little bit. You have O'Shane Zimenez, who they drafted last year, Lorenzo Carter, Kyler Fackrell as well. This this linebacking core needs a lot of help, and Blake Martinez was a great signing for them, but also it was really underrated. All right, let's move on to our final team. And our final team for the division previews. This week, of course, is the Washington Redskins. Washington Redskins, excuse me. All right, I am going to show you guys this. So um, Chris Sims uh, has his Unbuttoned podcast on NBC, which is, by the way, really good. And th- and they have just started doing the, his quarterback rankings. And on 39, Dwayne Haskins was 39. He was 38 in 2019. I want to get your guys' thoughts on what he said about Haskins. He says, I don't know what I what he is yet. I see talent, but I also see immaturity and rawness. Thoughts on that? Is that an accurate description of how you feel about Haskins as well? Yeah, I mean, to me, he still looks like a freshman in college or something. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, like, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think he could be good, um, but I, I just, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know yet. I'm not... I'm not uh, totally convinced of what I have seen thus far. And part of it is the fact that you know, he's not in the best organization, obviously. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if there's, you know, 40 guys in that list, 38 is 
probably about where I would put him too, to be honest. Well, he didn't even get a chance to play last year that much. Well, he played seven games, I think, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Which, you know. And the preseason as well. Brandon, what well, do you yeah, think Ron Rivera has to do? <laughs> Brandon, what do you think Ron Rivera has to do to develop Haskins and work on him mechanically um, next year to be successful? Uh, get him to not throw into double coverage. I don't know. I just feel like I watched him a lot and he made dumb throws. Like He's someone who throws it he he overthrows a lot and he also like makes really risky uncalculated throws to me at least yeah it kind of looks like he's just out there winging it you know what i mean yeah like he kind of yeah. looks like cam newton if he if like he didn't he's like cam newton if cam if cam newton didn't have the like actual like good decision making skills sometimes yeah, I, I, I do feel like Haskins has <laughs> a lot of work to develop. I think he needs to develop a lot more, but I think Ron Rivera is the perfect coach for that. I think this team's going to take a while, though, to get to where they need to get to, oh, even years. in this division. It's going to take a I don't it's think take Haskins will ever get there. I think with Haskins, they have a shot. Uh, thoughts on their schedule here, guys? Um, well, <clears throat> I mean, it's... It's not the most interesting, I'll say that much. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just I mean it's it's just like any of the other Yeah. The the bottom end of the schedule East schedule, but right. The bottom end is difficult. You got San you got Pittsburgh, San Francisco, Seattle, Carolina. Carolina would be a tough challenge for them. Always Carolina and Washington's a fun matchup for some reason. I, uh, it really is. It is. Like every year it's it's really fun, especially at the end of the year. Um, but I, uh, I, I think that's five losses for them at yeah. the end, to be honest. Um, but yeah, which is too bad, but you know, it is what it is. All right. X factor <laughs> players for the Redskins. Oh, geez. Um, I, you know, I mean, offensively, I don't even, I don't even know where to begin because we got a really young, underdeveloped quarterback, an old running back. <laughs> you know, it's just like I don't. Eh. I feel like they they don't. N- really know what they're trying to be. Mm-hmm. Well, with the but new will, regime, you're not sure yet. Of yeah, course. but I, I will say um, a guy that I will definitely have my eye on is uh, uh, Kendall Fuller. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because you know, I I, I think that uh, you know, he's like a good uh, I think he's a good presence to have on this defense because um, that I mean the defense is bad. <laughs> um, so uh, you know, I think having a a guy like him who you know has some skill and some experience will be good. Um, 
you could also make that argument for a guy like uh, Landon Collins, maybe. Or, right. Yeah. But anyways. Uh, Brandon, who who do you have here? I don't really know. Because, like, I don't know. Maybe. Do you want me maybe, to go for, Do you want me to go I first? Uh, I guess I'll go maybe, like, yeah, you can go first. Uh, this is easy, or go second in this case. This is easy. It's Darius Geis. Yeah. He needs to um, – uh, Adrian Peterson's going to have less of a role next year. I'll tell you that right now. And Darius Geis, unfortunately, with the ACL tear. I had Darius Geis last year as Max Rector player. I'm having him again. I I, I do feel like – yes, I did. I believe I did. Hmm. I think I either had anyway. Haskins or Geis. I might have had Haskins. But I – I think that Geis is is the guy that I'm pointing to this year because I I want to see what he can become. Like I, I ACL, I thought you know that preseason it was excellent. He played sparingly this last season. I just need to see him kind of take over and be that kind of bell cow guy for them, especially for Dwayne Haskins. We talked about he's a little bit raw. He needs a running game. Geis needs to provide that for him because he's going to be the guy who's going to be there long term. Yeah. All right, Brandon, what do you have? Uh, I don't know, man. Probably You're... Landon Collins. Yeah. I, this this team to me is just so uninspiring. Like yeah. you watch them play, they're uninspiring. You look at them on paper, they're uninspiring. Most teams in the league, you can look at their team on paper and go like oh they got a couple players that stand out no like i look at the i look at the redskins <laughs> on paper and they look like poop i look at the i watch them play and they just ugh they bore me i, I am think, bored i think that. landon collins is an interesting pick because he really wasn't the same player last year i don't he know just, he, he just yeah. wasn't and i think this year he has a shot to really show out I mean, I just think str- yeah. I just think strong safety is an important position. And if I think it's a start back to the top, if they can have some a strong safety that can actually work well back there. Yep, for sure, for sure. All right. So before we end, I want to talk about some documentaries. Um, obviously, documentaries. Wait, we didn't have... give our record predictions. Oh yeah, dude, the record predictions. My my bad. All right. <laughs> can I go first? Dang. Do you want to go oh, first, me? Brandon? Are you? Yeah. I'll go first. Uh I'm gonna go Eagles, Giants, Cowboys, Redskins. Wait, Eagles, Giants. Yes. Me too. Wow. And I'm going <laughs> I'm gonna do Eagles are going to be eleven and five. Yep. I'm gonna have the Giants at nine and seven. They're gonna make a big old jump. Massive jump here. Uh, I'm gonna have the Cowboys being a, I don't know, like seven and nine, and the Redskins are gonna continue being at the bottom of the pile. They're gonna be like four and whatever, four and twelve. 12. Shane, what do you have? I have um, 
Yeah. Uh, like Brennan said, uh, Eagles at 11 and 5. I'm going to say 8 and 8 for the Giants. I don't necessarily think they get a winning record this year, but I do think that they jump and maybe get there the year after. Um, Cowboys, yeah, I'll say seven and nine, and then Redskins, yeah, four and twelve. I'll, I'll give them one extra win just for the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> the giant, the Giants are surprisingly up over the Cowboys for you guys. What do you use your feeling on the Giants? Um, having eight and eight and nine Giants, and seven. For the Giants, for me, have actually done something to make me believe that they can get better. The Cowboys yep. have just stayed. The Cowboys have gotten worse. Meh. Yeah, they've stayed met or gotten worse. They just haven't done anything to really make me feel blah. Like, you know, like the cow, like the Giants might not have had the flashier moves, but they've had the moves that have, like, clicked with the team. To me, I look at a team and I'm like, are you slotting in puzzle pieces to, keep, to get your, your team to the promised land? Or mm-hmm. are you just putting big egoed players together like the Cowboys or the Browns? Like, that's why last year I was so adamant that the Browns were not going to do well. And was I right or was I right? Uh, Shane, why are you kind of having the same sentiment as Brandon with the Giants? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, um, yeah, like they, like he said, I mean, they've, they've proven to me that they're actually taking – logical steps to try and improve and get better um, just with pieces that they've gotten in the off season and kind of the trajectory that they started on with Daniel Jones last year. And, uh, you know, meanwhile, Dallas, they declined last year. They only finished eight and eight should have been way better than that with all their talent. And now they've lost a lot of that talent, especially on the O line. And, defensively so what are they going to do they're going to get worse (laughs) i mean if you ask me that just seems like the logical thing um i would be i would be very surprised if they won more than eight games to be honest um and maybe they will i don't know but yeah i mean I, i i like i said i don't think that the giants will you know break out necessarily but um, you know, because I, I think that they, I mean, there are still a lot of teams that are a lot better than them right now. But it's the start of, I think, where they could go in the years to come. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's get to these documentaries. First, well, both of these are from ESPN, but first we saw the trailer uh, for Man in the Arena, Tom Brady. Uh, are you guys excited for this documentary? No. No, you're not, Brandon. I'm not excited. I'm intrigued. I always like a good sports documentary. We've talked about this outside of the podcast, but I don't like Tom Brady, and I don't think it'll change my opinion on him at all. So, Here's my question about it. Is it just about Tom and us trying and his attempt to get us to try and like him more? Or is it actually about, like, the Patriots dynasty and how they rose and fell? Because a documentary about that, I would be interested in. 
but a documentary about Tom Brady, oh, like me, I'm cool, whatever. No, I'm, I, don't, I don't care. He can, he can, something, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 here's the thing. I, I look at this documentary and I go, yes, this is going to touch on Brady primarily. This is going to touch on his life. It's going to touch on him at Michigan, him getting drafted. But it's also interesting because they are going to touch on Spygate and Deflategate. And I think I'm interested to see what he's going to say about that. There's going to be deny, deny, see, deny. Yeah, exactly. See, I I have a similar out similar like we won't outlook learn anything. As, <laughs> right. I have a, I have a similar outlook as I do with the Lance documentary about like that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady has made it very clear he has no interest in actually being honest about it at all. We will never fully know what quote unquote really happened, even though we know that they cheated. We know that they're cheaters and that he's a cheater, 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 pumpkin eater. And he's fake. Yes. I, I just feel that it's going to be really interesting. And I think those two pieces are going to be interesting. And then the third thing that I'm interested in watching is his recount of Falcons Patriots. Because I want to know more about like how he felt in his mind in that situation in the first quarter going, oh, my God, we're down. And how are we going to find a way to get was, back Well, up? we know how he felt. He was throwing a freaking – Right, but him actually telling the story of that game is something I'm really interested He's in. Being a little baby, and that's one of the things I don't like about Tom Brady is that he he wins so much that he can't handle losing. Well, I think the best are always like it. that. I think the no! best are always like that, right? Russell so, Wilson, you don't see Russell Wilson throwing throwing a hissy fit when he loses. Mahomes or Mahomes, Mahomes deals with it. Russell Wilson deals with it. Well, I mean, I think if you see in his press conference and stuff like that, I really do feel like he's pretty open about that stuff. But it's, I, not I mean, the, it's not the same as Tom I understand Brady, how you feel about that. But I still think – I think this documentary is just going to really get some interesting insights into just him as a person that I don't think we've seen in a long while. I think that it has the potential to change people's minds about it. But I think considering how it's touching these really – difficult topics there's going to be some episodes where people aren't going to be very happy about it i mean look if he comes into this thing and is open and doesn't hold back and he actually is honest and for some reason he actually tells all about deflate gate that'll be interesting Mm -hmm. but But you're not expecting that you're not expecting that no hell no i mean what reason does he have to basically admit i cheated twice yeah i'm I, I think that's what makes this really interesting um and then let's go to the lance documentary brandon you mentioned it a little bit um we watched the clip about michael ferrari um together i watched the entire first part but i wanted to get your guys's feelings now after watching that clip and just sort of how you feel about lance and him in this documentary and what's your impression of it uh, at this at this moment in time, watching that Ferrari clip. I mean, again, it's how I felt about Lance Armstrong already. Just someone who refuses to recognize that his fault. His fault. Mm-hmm. Continues to. It's not even like it's. Yeah. It's not even like it's him trying to do damage control. Yeah. It's just him like, oh, look at me. <laughs> Tension's on me, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, see, this is – if you watch the entire first part, this is what I found – or this is what I liked about it. What I liked about it is, yes, this documentary is called Lance, and it's about 
Lance Armstrong and all this stuff. But this is what I loved about it was that it wasn't Lance just being like, oh, here's why I did this or that. They didn't allow that to happen. They wanted an honest recounting of like the whole thing, the entire scope. Yeah, but they got an interesting look at Lance's early life and all this stuff. But in this first part, it was so interesting to see sort of the hypocrisy of cycling as a whole and how broken of a sport it was because I mean, everyone was doping and it was just with the, you know, um, it's like the Russian Olympics. HPO. Yeah. Like, or whatever the, the drug is or whatever. But I, I, I felt like that was so interesting. And then just to, and, and then, you know, I, I've always thought about, you know, everyone did it. So why is everyone so bent up about Lance? Well, this documentary explains it. Well, hang on. This documentary explains that question in the most incredible detail, because it's not just that he cheated and everyone in cycling at that time, or most like 89% of people in cycling were, you know, cheating. It's that the impact that he made on people is why people yeah. are mad at him. It's, it's that, the whole, the whole uh, live strong thing, the, the inspiration of him coming back and winning after all the cancer stuff. And he even talked about the cancer thing and said, I think that me taking the, 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 the red blood cell stuff is like made that cancerous grow. I, I think that that's what people don't like about him. It's not just the simple fact that he cheated. Because everyone did. It's the fact that the impact he made is honestly false. Everything about that is false because it just it it wasn't the real him winning those Tour de France's. I don't think people really care about him. About like the reason people don't care so much about other people taking the blood or or about doping mm-hmm. is that not only did Lance. Uh, cheat in the sport he cheated culturally he created this idea about who Lance Armstrong was and how he was this amazing person and then he betrayed everyone he just out of nowhere it just came out of nowhere that like this guy who had beat cancer and he like has this whole thing where like you can do whatever you can do anything basically like the whole mentality of like live strong as you said and like all that stuff and then boom and he still and i think to this day it's the the reason people still hate him is because of his attitude and the way he's like i did nothing wrong basically like everybody else did it which is like no you're a you're an adult dude like live up like it like it doesn't matter if somebody else did it you did it too. Right. So, and honestly, not in, this is one of the things that I commend the director of this documentary on. They all look worse. Lance looks like an even worser person or like he, he looks more of just a bad person in this documentary than he already was. And then everyone else in cycling that they talked about looks or most people that they interviewed looked more like a bad person. Hmm. And I loved the beginning. The beginning set the tone for the whole thing. It was, and, and you know, many other analysts have talked about this. I think Jalen Jacoby talked about this as well. But like opening up and saying, Here, here's the first question she asked. The first question she asked was, when was the first time you remember doping? 
right from that moment on, this is what this is about. This is right from the first minute. This is not about Lance apology tour. This is about doping. This is about what he did wrong. And this is why these people look terrible, especially Lance. Well, what's funny is his ego is there is what ended up. His ego is what let got people in in the door to interview him, and his ego is what ended up making him look shitty this time around. Because literally, there's an I read an interview with the director, and she was like, "I have no idea why he was so open with me about all these questions." Like he he sat for three days of interviewing, and was had no problem. I think with the I th- question. I think it was the stop process. And he talked about this with Mike Tirico. I went back and watched the interview with Mike Tirico where he was like, I, I had to see a therapist and I had to be, I, and I had to realize like, I need to be open about this or else I'm not, or else like, I'm not going to be honest to my kids. I'm not going to be honest to my family or the public. And I think this documentary, as you mentioned, like, you know, the director was like, I'm surprised, but I think it was just kind of him. He needed to be honest and, I guess have closure with himself about the mistakes that he made, but yeah. he still looked on badly and this documentary makes him look worse. Yeah. Anyway. All right. And that's pretty much it. Any uh, last thoughts guys before we end up? Nope. Shame. Go team. I don't know. Go team. Yeah. <laughs> go team. All right. Uh, have a great rest of your weekend, everybody. Same with you, Brandon. Same with you, Shane. And we will see you all next week. Talk soon. Have a great weekend, everybody.